God is an unfathomable mystery. That is where all of our talk about God needs to both begin and end. It's easy to forget that the, that the word God is really just a, a placeholder for a, an absolute reality that completely transcends our comprehension and our understanding. We simply don't really know what we mean when we use the word God. God's intelligence completely transcends our intelligence. God's power completely transcends our power. God's goodness and love transcends our goodness and love. God's personhood transcends our personhood. We can only ever think of God in terms of analogies and in terms of metaphors. We can never come close to capturing God's reality, not in our minds, at least not in this life. So it's important to remember all of this this today, because today is Trinity Sunday, that most peculiar day in the liturgical calendar. And if nothing else, then the concept of Trinity should remind us that we really don't know what we're talking about when we are talking about God. But of course, that begs the question, why bother? Why bother to say anything about God at all? If we're never going to get it right, if we're always going to fall short, then why not give up on speaking about God altogether? And maybe another way of asking this question is to ask, does God's existence matter? Does it matter if God exists or not, especially if God transcends our understanding? Now, I don't want to leave you in suspense. Of course it matters uh, (laughs) whether God exists or not. I thought you probably all saw that coming anyway, so that wasn't like a cliffhanger you were hanging on to. Yes, it matters. It matters that God exists because God has revealed, revealed God's very self to us as love. It matters. It matters that God exists because God has announced to humanity and to the whole of creation that God loves us and longs for us to be in relationship with God. God has shown us that we were created by love for love. And because this is so, we have to speak about God, even though we're always going to fall short. We're always going to fall short of capturing the mystery that is the divine, but we have to speak. We have to speak of God because God first spoke to us in order to reveal God's love for us. As Christians, we believe that God spoke to us in the experience of the people of Israel. God revealed God's faithfulness to humanity in the way God persisted with God's people through triumph and through tribulation. And in the fullness of time, as Christians, we believe that God spoke most intimately to us as God's word became flesh and lived among us. God spoke to us in the life, death, and resurrection of Jesus Christ. And in doing so, 
God revealed God's complete solidarity with us. And so, too, God speaks to us through the gift of the Holy Spirit, which has enlivened our lives, and who is drawing us deeper and deeper into union with God and with one another. But if we're going to say all of this, then we're going to do so in a Trinitarian way. We're To say all this that I've just said is already to be speaking in Trinitarian terms. And this is why the church persists in affirming that God is a trinity of persons in a unity of being. The church does so because we affirm that God has shown us that God is triune. We keep talking in this way about God as a trinity of persons in a unity of being even when we don't know really what any of that means. The witness of Scripture, as a reflection on the Christian experience, though, is that God is triune, and that there is both distinction of relation in God and a oneness and a unity. Now, it should be said that you will not find the word Trinity in the Bible. But while the word is not there, the concept it's constantly recurring. As an example, take a look at today's reading from the book of Proverbs. In it, we hear of God's wisdom personified. She, right? Did you hear that in that reading? She is created at the beginning of God's acts. God's wisdom is there from the get-go. Before the creation of springs of water and the depths of the sea, there is wisdom. Before the creation of the heights of the mountains and the soil of the earth, before the creation even of the heavens, there is wisdom. God's wisdom is working alongside God's side as a master worker, we are told, from the very beginning and through every act of creation. And we're told that God delights in wisdom and wisdom rejoices in response to God and rejoices in the whole of creation, and particularly, particularly in humanity. Notice in this poem from from Proverbs how wisdom is seen here as distinct from God, even poetically personified, and yet at the same time, this is God's wisdom, and thus at one with God. This is God's own brilliance. This is God's own mind. And in time, John the Evangelist will reflect on this passage from Proverbs at the start of his gospel. And John will write, in the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. Distinct, and yet one. God's own wisdom or Word are distinct, and yet at one. And again and again, this experience of God as triune reoccurs in Scripture. It informs how we come to interpret every act of God. God always acts as one, but does so as Trinity. So take the act of creation, for example. God as a Trinity of persons in a unity of being is experienced at work in the creation. For the God the Father is the source of creation, 
while the Son or the wisdom or the Word of God is the one through whom all things are made. And the Holy Spirit, the breath of God, is the one who enlivens us all as the giver of life. And so too, God is, so too is God as a redeemer experienced as triune. God the Father sends the Son who enters into complete solidarity with the human predicament in the person of Jesus in order to unite God's self to humanity. And then we, in turn, are united to Jesus by the power of the Holy Spirit. And indeed, God is experienced as the one who sanctifies and makes us whole, holy, as the Spirit unites us to Christ so that we are made one with Christ. And in becoming one with Christ are thus made one with God, the source, the Father, the Mother, or from another perspective. As Paul reminds us this morning in his letter to the Romans, we are now fully at peace with God through Jesus Christ, and God's love is being poured into our hearts through the Holy Spirit, who has been given to us. To meet God in this way is to discover one's self being drawn into God's own inner life, of mutual relationships. God is experienced as a communion. God is experienced as a communion of love from eternity and for eternity. As the theologian Mark McIntosh writes, the Father pours out the divine life to the Son. The Son speaks and embodies this life, and the Spirit brings both together in passionate delight and love. He describes the Trinity as lover and beloved and enrapturer. And yet to say this is to be brought back to the mystery that is God. We speak because we must bear witness to the God who creates and redeems and sanctifies us. We speak because we bear witness to the God who loves us. And as we do so, we we do so knowing that God is ultimately a mystery, but a mystery revealed to us as eternal love. And with this in mind, at the end of the day, we might actually find some comfort in the fact that we are never going to come anywhere near to fully comprehending God. God will always remain outside of our ability to control through our comprehension. We don't get to fully comprehend God, and that is just one of the many limitations that comes with our being human. And yet, while we cannot fully know God in God's nature, we can come to love God as we come to know God's love for us. For indeed, as God reveals God's self to us as the triune mystery that is love, we can come to know that God opens up that life of love and welcomes us in. Our place is with and within that communion of love. We were created to share in and participate in the triune love that is God. We were created for union with God. 
And that too, that too is an unfathomable mystery. Amen.